everyone. Welcome to Comedy Girl Crush Podcast. I'm Kate Siegel. I'm Nikki Urban, and our amazing guest today is Natalie Palomides, who is a an actress, writer, clown, comedian. Uh, you can catch her incredible uh, one-man show, Nate, on Netflix, which is fucking awesome. Uh, and we're super, like, super duper glad to have you here. Um, uh, hey. <laughs> Should I? Yeah. Can, can I come yeah. in? Yeah. Oh yeah. Please. Oh, thanks for having. You know, some podcasts they're like, we're gonna talk a little bit, and you just stay quiet, and then you know. Anyways, cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. What's up? Oh my gosh, dude, it's so cool to have you. This is like, I feel like this is. I'm just gonna like geek out for a second. You are somebody I've been wanting to talk to like since I moved to LA. I saw you UCB when I first moved uh. here like four years ago, and I was just like, I I am floored by your talent. You are. <laughs> hilarious and skilled to a level that I can only aspire. You're so amazing. Thank you so much for being Thank on the you, podcast. Kate. Thank you so much for saying all those kind things. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked to be here and yeah, and I I I know Nikki from like way way back at the IO West. Yes, yes. Uh you were Remember you that? were killing it then. Killing it now. Um yes, it is very cool to have you on. Uh I also have been like just very much in awe of like of your talent and you are like sort of like your drive and your focus it's like it's very cool and also low-key I'm just gonna get this out of the way um I used to jokingly call you my nemesis like not out of yeah not out of any sort of like (laughs) not out of any sort of like negative thing because we got similar looks yeah people people would be like Hey, you were really great in that show at UCB to me, and I was like, "That's definitely Natalie." Like, like good <laughs> friends, like people I have definitely spent time with. What? Yeah, it was. I remember one time you tagged me on Facebook and something in a comment. Somebody said they saw you like in a commercial, and you're like, "That's this. That's this." Yeah, that's definitely Natalie. Um, yeah. Oh my god. Well, we also no, were like, we're not nemeses. <laughs> Because we're both like, we were both like, you know, short, like small, short with sort of like brownish hair. Brownish hair. We were both also like, I think, riding Razor scooters at the time. Oh, yeah. Like there were a lot of just always. Wow, I didn't know that was a detail about you. You guys had rival Razor scooter gangs. (laughs) I had a Zooter, actually, which had um, some bigger wheels, which I got that so that, you know, I could ride on the Hollywood shitty sidewalks and the wheel wouldn't catch. How was how was a razor on those sidewalks? It caught all the time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was like I uh, there were definitely times where I like busted ass. You ate it? I totally ate it. Fuck, dude. Yeah. The wheels are so small on those. Yeah, they are. (laughs) Anyway, Zooter, way to go. If you're commuting on a scooter now they got the birds i mean uh having your own scooter is like prehistoric kind of you know nobody has their own anymore yeah why would you need they to got you got one with yeah. a, a, a motor i guess that's that you can just leave wherever you want right you just pick it up and then leave it somewhere <laughs> yeah do you think that's gonna happen with cars guys oh, God. like you know how people say like they'll just have that like the bird 
scooter version of cars. Well, I don't know if it exists in LA, but when I lived in San Francisco, Zipcar was a thing. Like I didn't have a car there, but if I wanted to go hiking, you would just like log into an app and you'd like rent a car for the day. You'd like pick it up in some parking spot in the city somewhere. You'd drive it out, you'd make sure you fill it up with gas and then you'd repark it. And that was, it was great. It was awesome. Damn, yeah. Yeah, that's sick. They got to get that here. Yeah, I feel like it's hard. It might be harder to scale in LA. San Francisco is very like compact. So it's yeah, Uh, I I have a question about your your scooter. At that time, were you Mm. were you did you have a car or was like was scooting your like? Yeah, transportation. I had a car. I had a car. um, But I just, you know, especially at IO, it's really hard to park. And I like walking and scooting over driving whenever like I always prefer to walk or ride a bike or something that's just kind of my my preference I guess yeah how about you oh I did not have a car at the time so oh so yeah. that's why you were going for the scooter yeah, yeah. though huh, I don't know okay. I'm, I'm there with you I like I miss it now that I have a car I'm like oh I miss I miss being out there yeah walking so fun yeah. wherever uh, I live I try to live walking distance to a grocery store like i just love walking to the store getting a little bag of groceries you know feels more like uh city life or something like that's what i love about new york is you can walk everywhere did and, you live uh, in new york you know neighborhoods no no i never lived in new york but um you know i've been there for like a few months at a time or something on like a whatever like doing shows and whatnot but um was that like what was it like in Pennsylvania did you live in the suburbs or were you in more an urban yes. area where you could walk to places so no like well okay I I am from outside of Pittsburgh in the suburbs and it's kind of I mean it's a little bit more developed now since when I was a kid but it's kind of like bumblefuck Pennsylvania I mean you know, you can get to Pittsburgh in like an hour's drive, like 50 minutes maybe. And um, yeah, there's a bunch of farms around my friend and I. We could walk to this place called the Dairy Bar and we would get like ice cream or whatever. But yeah, not not much to do around there except walk to the Dairy Bar and, and play in our backyards. Yeah, which is fun. You know, it's nice. But yeah, it was very suburban a lot of horses around i um i yeah i worked at my friend's horse stable are, are you a horse and, girl like shoveled shit <laughs> uh, i'm i i like horses i was when i was working at my friend's stable i was like can i please get a horse and my mom's like fuck no dude <laughs> um just go like shovel their shit and feed them sugar cubes you'll be fine and so yeah i did that i sometimes rode them you know but uh, yeah, mostly just like brushed them and stuff. <laughs> yeah, so it was all right growing up in Pennsylvania, but we mostly had to, you know, make our own fun. Where Where are you guys from? I'm from a small town in San Diego County. It's like oh, population okay. three thousand. Similar, actually, a lot of horses there. It was very agricultural. Really? Yeah. Did you surf? No. Oh my gosh, no. Not close to the ocean. Yeah. Well, we actually were pretty close. So we were like in inland, and then Camp Pendleton is like blocks our access to the ocean, the military base. Like, so you oh. had to go all the way around the military base to get to the ocean. Otherwise, it would have been close, but because of yeah. the military base it was like a half an hour away but I still had what people in high school who would like 
get up at like 6 a.m., 5 a.m. or whatever, go surfing, and then show up to the high school with their surfboards, you know, because they wanted Damn, everybody to know. That's so right. chill. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's like bringing your it's guitar like around. Magnet. Yeah. 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 Goes what I did this morning. <laughs> How about you, Nikki? I feel like I remember you being from Chicago or something. Am I far off? Um, uh, Not too far off. Uh, uh, Michigan. I was born in Michigan, uh, but I... I identify as a Floridian. Uh, we moved there when I was 12. Oh, do you? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay, very cool. What part of Florida? Uh, Daytona Beach. from uh, Daytona Beach in Orlando from like nice. 12 to like 24. Yeah, nice. I have a lot of family in Orlando. I feel like Florida gets such a bad rap, dude. I'm like, it's fucking sweet. Uh, it is. It, honestly, it, it is. Like, got, like, people are genuinely very like nice and cool there and like yeah they're very like, they got, like chill also weird um ice cream made of oranges also yes um yeah. you said you said that uh yesterday so i went to clown zoo yesterday fucking oh i <laughs> you, oh did you come yeah, was, thanks for coming yeah i did say that yesterday well the the one of the prompts was uh tallahassee florida and so yeah when i was growing up my grandpa my grandpa and my uncle and my aunt lived down there, so we would go every year, and we would go to this orange grove, and they made the, just this the best orange soft-serve ice cream, and it's just the first thing that pops in my head whenever I think about Florida. Like, I that's, your, that's your Dole Yeah, whip. I did say that. I said that yesterday. Yeah, yeah I remember you saying that, and I was like, I have never had orange ice cream, really? and I'm from Florida. <laughs> It was in Clearwater. Oh, Clearwater's amazing. It's like the like ocean is it's like oh, just beautiful. beautiful. Oh man. Great place to retire. That's where my grandpa was uh held up for many years. Yeah. Uh-huh. A good spot, yeah. So I forget what the place is. I'll have to look it up and I'll next time you're back there you can <laughs> take a little road trip to Clearwater. How about conch fritters? Conch fritters? Oh yeah, like conch fritters yeah, like the those are good. little like the the little things that are in the seashells, but then they fry yeah, them up. Yeah, yeah. You know, those are good. Yeah. Those are in <laughs> that's Florida. A, that's a Florida thing. <laughs> anyway, I love food. I love eating. Sorry. <laughs> Is this a food podcast? Yeah, uh, anyway. It can be now. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, it's basically right whatever on. you want it to be. Uh, so Clown Zoo, if you are uh, listeners, if you're not familiar with Clown Zoo, uh, it is a... Um, uh, you know what, Natalie, I feel like you probably would have explained it better. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll, I'll try my best. So, I mean, just initially at the when the pandemic started, you know, all the theaters got shut down. And um, my clown friends and I were like, well, we could perform in theatrical masks because we have to wear COVID masks. So maybe that's a way to perform and we can do it outside and we'll be as safe as we can, you know, being outside and then also having the COVID masks on and the theatrical masks over it. And uh, it slowly evolved into me live directing as this character called Mrs. Skin. So basically my friends who are not trained mask performers are, they're all clowns, but they're, and they're trying their best to do silent mask work with the help of my outside eye um but it's always usually pretty bad but kind of the fun is in the failure of it and i play this kind of high status idiot director character 
called Mrs. Skin, who just pretty much yells at them and tells everybody they suck the whole time. Um, but that's kind of what makes it fun. And yeah, so it's just a free show um, in the park at the old zoo enclosures. And we do it every every Wednesday at 1230. I, I was yeah. very struck by just like how attractive everybody there was. Like I like walked oh, up and it's like, yeah. These- Girls laying out in bikinis, guys with their shirts off. And, of course, everybody on stage very hot is very crowd cute. Yesterday. <laughs> like in your masks. Yeah, we got a good-looking crew. Yeah. All the performers are pretty hot. And then also just the weather outside has gotten, you know, very warm. And so we're all dressing skimpier and skimpier. <laughs> I think I wore a bathing suit yesterday because I was just like, fuck this shit. <laughs> yeah. I used to wear, like, a big black tuxedo coat. But, uh, yeah, it's just too hot. Yeah. So I'm trying to find, like, a new look. But, uh, yeah, did I sum it up well? Yeah, that was a great summary. It was uh, – What was what was your favorite part of the show? Or le- also least favorite part? Oh, um, I think least favorite part was sitting in the sun. Um, <laughs> yeah, fuck. So we are trying to find a new place to sit where the audience can have more shade. But it just, like – it sucks to leave the zoo enclosures because it looks so theatrical, but – yeah, the audience yeah. is is more important. There was there know. was an element to it of like, I mean, I think for me this was like kind of one of the first live things that I've gone out and seen, and it being mm-hmm. like especially like clowning is so interactive, um, and it's like mm. it's it's intimate even though it's in this park. It's very like the the failure, like the improvisation, like the being in this open space, like all of that's so uh, so intimate that it was just like cool it does feel vulnerable being in the park yeah like no sort of like no sort of no part of the show did I not enjoy like all of the any Uh failures like anything that you like pointed at like you did such a great job of like pointing things out and guiding things in a way that was like felt true to what was like happening and uh, yeah does that make sense like yeah, I mean, it's a delicate balance between me actually trying to help them achieve a successful piece and then also, like, being this um, idiot character, Mrs. Skin. And, like, also, I don't really know what I'm doing, but, um, <laughs> like, in terms of math, like, I did, a like, a few mask classes in college, so, like, that's how I kind of started live directing people because I just knew like a a sliver more than everybody else but um yeah no I'm yeah but it's it's also like sometimes they'll come out with something really awesome and it's a beautiful stage picture and they're doing something really great and then I say it something like a, a direction and they take it away that I didn't imagine they would and then it fucks the whole thing up and then it's like so hard to get them back to where they were originally because they've already gone away from it and like but then other times like it works out so beautifully and like something they do is like totally genius and actually works and is really profound and beautiful I'm not sure if we really had any of those moments yesterday but um yeah on occasion we will actually just have like a really good piece pop up which is which is cool but yeah everybody I love my my clown crew. Do you have a favorite performer of the of the crew? Oh, there's Chad. There's Coco. We got Bill. I mean, everybody's oh, so Matt. great. Uh, I mean, Chad is 
Like, Chad, I think Chad will know, always Chad's have my, my heart for just yeah <laughs> being Chad, Chad Damiani. He's such an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. I love him. And, and so like, just, just, like, his heart is so big, you know? He, it really is. Yeah. yeah. He's one of my best friends. Aww. Yeah. Such a good guy. I haven't gotten to go yeah. yet to Clown Zoo, but I I can't wait. I'm I'm it's like something that I've been following on Instagram and I'm like, okay, as soon as you I have a Wednesday, out, I gotta go. But you were saying yeah. about like just sort of this uh like the the way that you, the way you were describing your interactions with the actors that you're live directing sort of reminds me just of like the way you are interacting with audience members when you do your solo shows. So I wanted to ask, just because like I feel like with audience participation, you're going to get so many different kind of types of audience, right? People who are like down and want to do it. People who are comedians in their own minds and want to like crack jokes, right? And then the people who are terrified mm-hmm. and don't want to. I'm curious, like, yeah. what is navigating those different types like? And what is there one you prefer? Is there like a type of audience <laughs> participation you prefer? Oh, definitely. I mean, I prefer the person to just play it straight and that they're not like, too excited to be up there but they're they're not too afraid they just have to be like pretty neutral and I'll do all the work but some people I think get anxious and feel like oh I'm up here I have to do something so there's that person who like starts cracking jokes usually if somebody is making some jokes right off the bat I'll tell them to like tone it down or do less and if they still if they don't listen and they continue then I just throw them back Mm -hmm. it's actually funny you say that because so the first show back I was telling you that me and Coco did the other night where we were playing the two scientists at the um, comedy store. We have a, um, a part of the bit where we bring somebody up on stage to give them the third dose of the vaccine. And the first guy we brought up was just like blasted. So I had to send him back. The second guy we brought up like tried to hit on me and was like making like jokes about like liking what he saw or whatever. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. And then the third guy was just, like, perfect, and he's what I described to you. But, yeah, like, sometimes you'll get a fir- like a good person on the first try. And usually, like, so in my solo shows, uh, and usually in a lot of my bits, too, I have ways to kind of suss out the person and how they're going to interact with me before I bring them up. So I'll do, like, a little back and forth with them and try to feel them out. And so I can usually kind of tell what a person's going to be like before I bring them up. But yeah, I mean, you know, nobody's perfect. And, and even like, you know, in Nate, one of the hardest people to find is the, is the guy that I'm going to wrestle. Because I do narrow it down so much. I ask, like, who's in a couple? And then from those people who are in the couple, it has to be somebody, who a couple that's willing to talk to me also. Were you surprised in Nate by how down that guy was to wrestle? Like, he, like, went for the wrestling. He did. Like, a lot of people ask me if he's a plant, and I'm like, fuck no, I never use plant. Like, I hate plants so much. <laughs> it's, like, fucking cheating, dude. The whole fun of it is the the surprise and, like, you know, the discovery of and, and figuring that person out. Yeah. At least for me also, like, that's part of the fun of it for me is, like, playing this game of, like, trying to – still get to all the jokes in the show and kind of puppeteer the person in a way where 
they're still playing freely, but I'm I still get to put all my jokes in like like when I go to Edinburgh, they, they they're like a big review culture over there and they write a ton of reviews and stuff and something that people say a lot is like that I rely too much on the audience members. And I'm like, fuck you, dude. I'm like, there's written jokes in there. I just make it look like it's uh, not. Yeah. But it's like, how do you think I do the show hundreds of times over? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not just relying on some rando coming up from the audience. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that guy was super down. And... I mean, that's why we picked. So I did two shows back to back, and that the first, the guy that wrestled me in the first that was the second show. So the the one on Netflix is uh, mostly the second show, and um, yeah, the, the the guy from the first show he was down too, but I don't know. Yeah, he just played it so perfectly. Like he was like a little bit hesitant, but then when it came time, he really went for it, and yeah, he really wrestled my ass. But like, <laughs> so. A lot of the times the guy who I bring up to wrestle me is a bit timid until I give them, there's a part where I give them a liability release waiver or whatever. But in that folder, I basically tell them what's going to happen. I say, like, you're about to wrestle Nate for real. Please let him know if you have any injuries or sensitivities. And um, remember, Nate's just a little lady, so please wrestle gently but with passion. <laughs> so it says that in there. Oh, nice. I, there, whenever I was developing the show, I didn't always have that in there. And, yeah, it was more of like a mixed bag of like how the guys would wrestle me because so much of it was relying on this ESP. They're, you know, yeah. And it was a bit better in, in a way because of the tension. They're like, wait. You know, you could tell they're like, do you really want me to wrestle you? And so, like, whenever I added that part where I gave them the instructions, it it took a little bit of that energy out of it, but it it ended up being more helpful. And I had to have that in there for um, a risk assessment to do the show in the UK, so it was kind of required. But, yeah, that was kind of a long-winded way to say, yeah, I was surprised about how (laughs) down he was. He didn't flap – he didn't – uh, thwap my tits yeah he... which that's something that people do most of the time like when I you know suggest that they you know flick my tits because I just flick his tits right so it's like a a tit for tat yeah. <laughs> a, tip, a tit for a tit I suppose you know but um yeah he he wouldn't do it but that was also fun you know we played that moment so like yeah there's many different ways I mean there's many different, like, s- slight differences between each person I bring up. And, you know, in general, there's a way for the show to go and there are written jokes. But then the part of the show that is clowning are playing those, like, small mm-hmm. moments and small games and playing the mistakes and playing the denials. And, um, yeah. Yeah, like, there was one, there's one joke that stands out to me that it would have worked no matter what the audience member responded, which is when you ask Helene to, Helene to, to go like, and she says oh, no, yeah. and you say, Helene, like, that works if she says no, and it works if she does it, right? Yes, that's one of my favorite jokes, yeah, so I ask her to make, like, a dick-sucking motion with her hand in her mouth, 
And it, honestly, it's better when they say no. Mm-hmm. Like when she did say, I could tell because she was being such a little cunt to me. She was so spicy. <laughs> I was like, I know she's going to say no. So I was so stoked. Yeah. So if they say yes, then I go further in that, in that direction and I have them do it like a couple of times. I have them stand up. I have them like turn around and show everybody. And, and that's fun too. But yeah, I, I love it when they say no. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Oh, man. It's so cool how you, how, I don't know, how you can do it. Like, and I know that so much of it comes from the preparation first. Like, how long does it take you to sort of conceptualize and work out and like. Like a whole show. I mean, I've only made two solo shows and I guess each of them took me about like nine months to full before I premiered them at Edinburgh, you know, like seven to nine months but then even after i get to edinburgh because you're doing the show night after night after night it changes so much and it becomes so much better even after you get there and what's Um, the process like in those like sort of like nine months like what for you is like working out the show well it was a little bit different between my first show which was called laid and then my second show nate so for laid that kind of almost came to me in a dream like the full structure of the show I kind of had from the beginning I was like yeah I want it to be about a woman who lays an egg every day and like I kind of just like beat it out the entire show so the first time I put up laid I put up the whole show and it was like an hour and 40 minutes and then I just kind of like improvised my way through like an outline through the beats and uh, yeah I just kind of tried to memorize it I got all the props and all the set and everything and then from there that was like in September 2016 that I think I put it up for the first time and I just would invite I would just rent out a theater and invite people to come for free to watch me fuck around until the show got good and then I was like okay now it's five dollars okay now it's ten bucks and then you know if it wins an award or something I'm like okay 20 bucks now or whatever but um (laughs) You know, that's a, that's uh, a good but business I, plan. I always try to, yeah, yeah, but, you know, I was super nice, and I always donated all the uh, tickets, proceeds to the theater. So, like, I'm, I'm so awesome. <laughs> so I would put the show up kind of at least once a week and then maybe take, like, a couple weeks breaks after I did it, maybe, like, five, five to seven weeks in a row or something I don't remember specifically and then I started doing like twice a month like three to five night runs and would just keep you know clocking what worked clocking what didn't work going over you know the show every night after the show and brainstorming like new bits and honestly most of the work happened on stage because as I was performing the show, I would find something new and like some of the best stuffs happen in the mistakes. Like in my egg show, there's a joke where a ton of eggs fall out from underneath my dress. Like I have about like maybe like 30 to 40 eggs in my pants every show. And so there's this one joke where I have a miscarriage and about like 10 eggs fall out at once. And I say, oh, it's a miscarriage. But the first time that happened, it was improvised, like the miscarriage joke or whatever was improvised because the contraption that I had holding the eggs in just broke on me. 
so it just broke and a ton of eggs fell out and so I was like oh that worked well how do I figure out how to keep that and make sure I control it so it happens at the same place every time and so I just added a a drawstring into the uh, pants and I like pull the drawstring super wide um, every time that joke comes and then like for Nate I didn't really have the structure as much when I first started I just had this character and these ideas I wanted to play with I knew I wanted to play with toxic masculinity and honestly at first I kind of avoided the topic of consent because it felt like scary to tackle that especially through my way of working which is so improvisational but yeah so for that show I just created a list of images like that I associated with masculinity, toxic masculinity, machoism, whatever, like chopping wood, chugging beer, not being able to cry, you know, stuff like that, and just made a list of all these images. And I would get all the props that I needed for that night's workshop show. Again, I would invite an audience to come, just watch me fuck around. And I just had this, like, set list, essentially, of all those just images, and I would just try them out, try out an idea. I'd be like, okay, chopping wood. So I would grab my axe and my wood that I brought and be like, okay, I'm going to chop wood in character and see what comes. Or like, you know, the the whole chugging contest and the boob grab part at the beginning of Nate where I'm like, I get to do whatever I want to whoever I want. That was improvised off of my image of chugging beer. So like, I was like, we're going to do a chugging contest. And then it was just improvise the line. And whoever wins gets to do whatever they want to whoever they want. So that was just improvised. And then, so yeah, I won the chugging contest. And then the next moment was improvised because I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I get to do what I want. So what does what does my character want to do? Probably grab somebody's tits. Yeah. like. Yeah, I approached very slowly. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that whole bit, the may I bit where I reach for somebody's groups and say boobs and say may I, that was just like totally improvised the first time I did it and it stayed pretty close to exactly that for the rest of the, sh- the time. Yeah. I love that moment. How much time it takes you to ask. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> that like tension I mean, build. Yeah. It, that is a fun part to play, especially, I mean, that first time that I was ever improvising it, too, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, you know, as I'm approaching this person's boobs with my hands, you know, I'm thinking, like, how the fuck do I get myself out of this one? Like, I'm not going to grab her boobs, right. you know? Um. So the consent, because, like, the consent element uh, and sort of theme in Nate is, like, you know, I think it became one of the major themes of the special. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. And it, I love it because it doesn't try to answer complicated questions. Like it really asks and frames the question in a way that illustrates how complicated the issue is. That's exactly the point. It's awesome. Yeah. It's really, it's <laughs> so well done. It's really, really well done. And it's crazy to learn that that was just like, it, it like came into being through improv. That's, that's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, I had in mind that, that I was exploring the theme of consent, you know? So I guess it wasn't totally out of nowhere, but yeah, it was that bit, you know, was like, I didn't plan on like being like, okay, I'm going to try to grab somebody's tits. Like it was just, yeah, totally out of like being in character and like, 
okay, this guy, he won the chugging contest, so what does he get to do? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, he loves tits. So. <laughs> also, I just have to say, watching you go back and forth between Ms. the Miss Jackson character and Nate, like, and just how flawless you do, like, switch between voices, and I've seen you do this in other uh. characters that you do. Like, it's, like, really, it is, like, I. it's so amazing to watch because you are so good at it. When did you realize that that was, like, a skill set that you had and could sort of utilize? Hmm, I think just from playing around when I was a kid, like always doing different voices and just being a weirdo, yeah. you know. So you, you played a lot, like, and then at what point were you like, okay, I'm going to, because you went to school and you did theater and write communications and. Yeah, yeah. So I had a double major in theater and communications. I, I always wanted to be a performer and do theater and. Like always, yeah, I mean, always I like. School. From from like when? When was it like this is this? I want to perform. I want to be. I guess like when honestly maybe around like ten years old. My but I was always class clown. Yeah. Like even maybe from like the first time I remember being like an actual class clown was like fifth grade, and I played like the Vanna White to my fifth grade teacher, and he would like let me assist him up at the chalkboard <laughs> and stuff and. Yeah, I would just, like, make people laugh while he taught his lessons. I don't know. He was so cool, Mr. Bergman. But, I, yeah, I remember when maybe I was, like, 10 or 11, my aunt asked me what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I said I wanted to be a comedian. And she was like, well, comedian, you know, why don't you do something that helps people, like doctor or teacher? And I said, laughing helps people. And she was like, that's true. You know, I, I guess I was just, like, a freaking wise kid. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's cool. So you knew like <laughs> you knew then comedy was. I just loved making people laugh. Yeah. I mean, I still just like love making people laugh. That's why like even with Nate or something like, you know, it does have its serious moments. But I always take care to make sure that it's not a dramedy. It is a comedy and it's like full of like dumb, you know, dick jokes and stuff like my. My goal is to send people out of the theater laughing. You know, like, I love Hannah Gadsby, but, like, Nanette, uh, while it's, like, very funny, it sends you out of the show like a fucking mess. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she can kill a room, too, but I just, like, wanted to take care to not send people out of the room desolate, in a desolate state. I don't know. Like, did you guys watch Nanette? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, the, like, second half of it, is very like I remember distinctly the moment where I was like oh I'm like not laughing anymore yeah I haven't been for a minute like I saw it live and when I came back to my apartment afterwards my roommate was like what what just happened to you like are you okay like and I was like I I, yeah I'm I'm fine like it was I I saw Nanette like it was awesome but yeah I just need a set (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah I do but, love how in Nate, like every time it starts to approach or like so you'll sit in a serious moment and like you'll feel it and then it's never too long though, right? It doesn't ever linger there too long. It immediately, there's like a, a physical bit or a, a joke that kind of pops out that just like- Takes you out of it. Send you right back into the laughter, yeah. I try to do that. Thanks, Kate. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, the goal is to make people laugh, especially like- 
my philosophy is that if you can get people to laugh surrounding these complicated ideas, their minds will be more open in the future to having, you know, good conversations about good faith conversations about it. Yeah. Was your family yeah. funny? My dad's really funny. I mean, yeah, my actually like yeah, my whole family is just full of characters. My mom doesn't know she's funny, but she. <laughs> Like, I laugh at my mom and laugh with my dad, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then my brother is also, he's a really funny, goofy guy. Yeah, but my dad was always doing different voices and different impressions. And he can do, like, yeah, my dad. My dad's funny. How about your guys' parents? You have funny families? I'm, mine's the, I'm the same as you, but reversed. Like my mom's oh, got okay. a really sharp sense of humor. So growing up, she was like the very sarcastic kind of funny one, but my dad is yeah. funny, but not on purpose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I have a, I have like a funny family just in the sense of like, like, you know, tragedy plus time equals comedy. So like, that's sort <laughs> oh, of just like nice. how we deal with things is, is by laughing, but like, not yeah, not like comedy fans like nobody's like watching comedy specials just like we're laughing mm. at farts you know got yeah. it yeah my parents will like they don't really watch specials but they'll watch saturday night live yeah. they love they love uh, it yeah that's cool yeah i'm very like fascinated right now by like like kind of figuring out how people uh how people decided that they wanted to do comedy right so like we asked mm. this of people and i I'm wondering if there's really much of a difference between uh, people who wanted to do comedy because they saw comedy and loved comedy that way ah. or versus people like who loved making people laugh. Like, mm. Um, mm. I don't know if there's like a, a difference in like in like styles. Or, probably a little bit of both, yeah. right? Yeah. But, but I think that's, yeah, I think that's, that's cool that you did that. That's like, that's where how you came to it was like, this was an internal thing for you of like, oh, this is what I, I love doing this very much. Yeah. I mean, I also like definitely saw a lot of good comedies growing up. But yeah, I think for me, my passion and drive to do comedy is to make other people laugh. Yeah. But I pretty much grew up watching Austin Powers. Like I remember in third grade seeing Austin Powers for the first time. <laughs> I'm like, why did my parents let me watch it? But also, I'm like, so glad they, they did. The, the funny thing is that, like, my parents raised me on Austin Powers, and they're, now they're fucking surprised at what they created. You know, like, when Nate came out, they, my dad just, like, reamed me. He was like, I'm so glad your grandparents aren't alive to see this. You know, it's disgusting. What? Really? Whatever. But he's probably just having some Freudian reaction. I mean, he apologized and was like, you know, he was like, sorry. He was like, I'm your dad and your tits are out on the TV. You know, yeah. <laughs> so oh. he was just having some experience. But, you know, he did come around and he said, sorry. You know, so it's all good. I get it. Like, he's my dad. But I don't think he watched it to the end, which, you know, is fine. But um, I'm like, you would like it if it wasn't me. Like, you, they love Austin Powers. Like, like I was saying, in third grade, I saw it. And I was running around the house saying, like, I'm horny, baby. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my dad's like, don't say that. You know, I'm like nine years old talking about how horny I am. 
but just you know you don't know what it means did you guys watch that when you were kids oh, yeah yeah my parents also like because it, it reminded them of the bond movies right they like grew up on yeah, bond movies yeah, so they liked so it yeah yeah uh, and they also like were down with SNL. Like we watched Wayne's World and stuff like that as a family. Oh yeah, so, totally. Yeah. Um, one random thing: you worked as a security guard, which I find so yeah, freaking fascinating. I did. Um, was it? Did you ever like? Do you have any crazy security guard stories? I never really had anything dangerous happen to me, but also I will say like, being a security guard is something that showed me that you don't really have to follow the rules that much because the people who are like keeping tabs on people keeping the rules are people like me I'm like if I'm a security guard like all bets are off you know what I mean like people would like pass me by so like I was managing the exit at the LA auto show and nobody was supposed or I was managing the entrance nobody was supposed to exit through the entrance, right? And I was supposed to stop them if they were exiting through the entrance. And, but I just didn't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah. what am I, like, I don't care. Like, they're leaving, they're already gone, dude. Like, what am I going to stop them, make them go back? But, um, <laughs> so, like, my su- supervisor saw this happen and he saw this guy just, like, like beeline past me like because it was way more convenient to exit out of the entrance it was like way closer to the parking it was a straight shot the exit was like you had to walk around this like fucking maze anyways so he just like beelines it past me and I was like oh this is the entrance you're not supposed to whatever like I didn't really, <laughs> really try to stop him and then my supervisor run is running backwards with his arm out sticks his arm out in front of the guy because you're not allowed to touch anybody so the guy is like speed walking forward while my supervisor is running next to him backwards with his arm out directly in front of him trying not to touch him but the guy's walking so fast yeah he's jogging backwards being like sir this is the exit sir this is the exit you are not and then he just gave up eventually because the guy just kept walking forward but he went like a hundred yards backwards trying to stop this guy from exiting out the entrance and then he came back and like reamed me for like letting that guy go and i'm like you couldn't stop him either dude. <laughs> yeah <laughs> what, the fuck, what, what the fuck were you gonna do Bro. <laughs> you know what was i gonna but, do um, if you couldn't stop him <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah but when you're a security guard you're just supposed to observe and report they tell you you can make an you can make a citizen's arrest if you want but that's not part of your job. They're like, if you want to arrest somebody, that's on you. And like, they take no responsibility for that. You know, when I was growing up, I was like always terrified of authority figures. And when I was in college, none of my friends, but they were just like, it's just a security guard, like whatever. And I'd be like, no, but they, uh, problems, arrest, I don't know. Uh, yeah. but now I'm just like, oh, I'm a fool. My friends were so right. <laughs> yeah. The only rules are the rules you make for yourself. You yeah. Know? But I mean, some rules are good, like, you know, don't shoot people or, right. you know, yeah. heroin's bad. But, well, yeah. even, even if it's a rule that's out there, we're still ultimately making it for ourselves, right? Truly, yeah. It's the same thing with, like, you know, idolizing successful people. Like, at a certain point, you're like, oh, wait, nobody knows what they're doing. Mm-mm. Yeah. Nope. Like, a lot of people you know are like oh I, I can't be 
a writer or I can't be a director I've never done it before and then you meet somebody who's like oh yeah like I got a job writing on this TV show because like I kind of like I don't know I just like watched a lot of Seinfeld and I like asked my cousin if I could uh like assist on his show or whatever and then I was actually pretty good or like (laughs) like somebody's never directed before and they're like yeah I just tried it you know like there's so many of those stories where people are like do the thing that people tell themselves they have to have so many accomplishments before they get to do that thing and then you meet somebody who just like does it without even knowing really what it is you know what I mean and then you're like oh wait like nobody knows what it is and sometimes when you don't know what it is you actually do it better than somebody who's like following all the rules about it. Like, and you make a new thing because you don't know what the rules are. It helps them make their, shape their voice or shape their vision in a different way. way. Like who's that? Um, It's like a, a famous guitar player who was missing like his. his oh, Django Reinhardt. Yeah, Django Reinhardt like created his own sound mm-hmm. because he couldn't play guitar the way everybody could or like you know yeah so sometimes the things you think are holding you back are actually like these creative obstructions that make your thing unique to you anyways it's cool anyways people shouldn't get in their own way that's what I'm saying if you think you can have it you can have it if you think you can do it you can't nobody knows what they're doing nobody ever knows we're all just like faking it till we making it hell yeah 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 i yeah totally yeah is that is that uh would you say that's the uh advice that you would offer somebody or do you have some other advice you'd like to share yeah no i think that's the the advice i would offer people i'd also say like go hard or go home Mm -hmm. you know the classic the classic saying it's like if you're gonna do something fucking do it like grind your ass and um yeah number one rule is there there are no rules (laughs) which speaks you know to the sentiment we're just saying is like the only rules are the rules you make for yourself yeah Yeah. that being said um something we also like to ask our guests is uh is uh, how do you feel about like where you are right now in like your journey and where do you where do you want to be like do you have do you have sort of goals in mind are you just on this journey uh I feel like really lucky that I am in a place where I feel like oh my god I'm so lucky I'm I'm like doing I'm doing it like I'm doing what I want to be doing and yeah actually got super lucky to um recently got the opportunity to write like six episodes with my friend this like dark comedy that we're gonna shoot in the fall and honestly that's all I ever wanted to do was shoot like an indie dark comedy thing and now you're doing it and now I'm doing it yeah and I just feel like so fortunate and hell yeah yeah I can't wait to see it but it's I know I gotta yeah I gotta keep grinding I can't say too much about it but I think it's gonna be cool Cool. So we'll Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah thanks. thanks. Thank so. you for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was so fun to talk to you guys. I can't wait to see you yeah. in life in real gonna, life. We're uh, gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna make Katie come with me. Kate coming with me to Clown Zoo. Clown to Zoo. Zoo. Yeah, I'm yeah, coming. Yeah, I can't Sweet. wait. 
Uh, and thank you so much for being here. It's just been awesome to get to talk to you. You're like, I cannot wait to see what else you make. Like everything you make, I feel like you really, like you said, you leave it out. On the, you yeah. leave it all out there. Like you put your whole self into things, and it's it's very inspiring. Thanks. I feel seen. So thanks for <laughs> saying that. I appreciate it. Um, awesome. Well, have a good one, guys. Yeah, talk to you again soon. Yeah, see you at the zoo. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thanks for being here. See you later. Yeah. Cool. See ya. Yeah. Thank you again so much to Natalie for being here. It was so awesome to have her on uh, just to talk about her awesome career. Yes, it was. And of course, check out Nate on Netflix. Um, and also just like uh, check check Natalie out on all of the all of her uh, Instagram and shit like that. Like she posts videos all the time, um, like her and clowning. Uh, and if you're in the Los Angeles area, check out some of this clowning, all of these clowning workshops, the clown zoo. Uh, it's all very, very cool um, and unique and awesome. But we've got something else to talk about. Yes, that's right. Yeah, if you liked what you heard and you want to support us and support the all-female network that we are on, Period Podcast Network, we're just going to spend some time here telling you about our Patreon. Uh, yes, we are the Period Podcast Network. We are a network made by she's and they's for everyone. And it's really cool. We're all working together. And the concept behind our network is that everybody Every single podcast that's on the network, we all kind of get paid the same. We are all working together to build up uh, build up each podcast like high tides, raise all ships. Uh, but we need your support in order to do that. <laughs> Kate, tell us a little bit about some of the podcasts that you can see on the Period Podcast Network. Oh my gosh, just so many great podcasts, starting with Tinseltown Tea, which is a movie review and Hollywood gossip podcast. There's Comadres y Comics, which is a podcast that highlights the Latinx community in comic book culture. There's Yes, a Stripper, a podcast about strippers and sex workers and interviews with people in those industries and their allies. There's Girl Boner, which is a health and sexuality and empowerment podcast. Elaine's Cooking for the Soul, which is a post-apocalyptic cooking podcast hosted in a dentist's office. Yes, it's very exciting. And we have a Patreon. Uh, we'd love uh, to see your support if we could. Because, uh, you know, the best way to support is not only just to listen and to appreciate and share, but also, you know, share some of the <laughs> if you got it and our price is not high for five dollars a month you can get um ex uh, you get an exclusive zine that is created by all of the uh all of the participants on the network uh, we're creating some really cool artwork some articles some poetry it's really really neat and then at ten dollars a month you can uh you'll get exclusive bonus content from each of the uh each of the podcasts. Uh, it's very exciting. There's also a bigger option for like a group Zoom that's like $20, and we highly suggest that because we're all very fun people. So check it out. If you support uh, marginalized voices in podcasting, if you feel like there should be more of them, which you should, guilt, 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 uh, check out all of the podcasts on the network. You can go to periodpodcastnetwork.com. Uh, you can also find a link to our Patreon there. 
Thank you so much uh, for joining us again. And if you can, please support the network and support as much as you can women in podcasting and women in, in comedy and women in all things. The Comedy Girl Press.